Well, happy Easter at Rockbrook. Man, it's so good to see all of you here today. We're having a great weekend. I tell you, I have been praying for this service this weekend, been praying for this sermon. I have been praying for you for weeks. And I just want to tell you, if you are here today, it is not by accident. It is not by accident. Trust me. The sovereign God of the universe has brought you here because he wants you to hear this message because it's a good one. I am so excited that you are here. Today, we're going to be looking at the model that Jesus gave us in his death, burial, and resurrection in order to handle the pain in your life. Because the Bible tells us that pain and suffering is going to be a part of life. Job said, man is born to trouble as sure as the sparks fly upward. Look at 1 Peter 2.21. It says, for you have been called for this purpose. What purpose have we been called for? If you look at the context, the context says it's suffering since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps. Leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he not only secured our salvation, he not only paved a way for us to get into heaven through faith in him, he also gave us a model that can help us get through the worst days of our lives. When you go through tragedy, when you go through the terrible pain of doubt and depression and despair, Jesus Christ says, I, I've got a way through that. I've paved a way through that for you. So we're going to take a look at it this weekend. The, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection happened over three days. A Good Friday was the day of pain. Uh, Holy Saturday was the day of confusion. And Resurrection Sunday is the day of joy. And in your life, you're going to go through those same three days. You're going to go through pain, confusion, and joy over and over and over again. And some of you, as you came here right now today, you're in the day of pain. You're in the day of pain. Some of you right now, you're in the day of confusion. You don't know what, you don't know what to do next, what's going to happen next in your life. But thankfully, Jesus Christ tells all of us that we can get to the day of joy. But you're going to go through these three days, and you're honestly, you're going to go through them over and over. That's why all of us need this message. Because you may not be in a problem right now, but I guarantee you, you're going to face tragedy. You're going to face major loss at some point in your life because you've been called to that purpose. So here we go. We begin with Friday, the day of pain. On Good Friday, Jesus experienced tremendous physical pain. He was whipped. He was wounded. He was scourged. He was spat on. He was slapped. They yanked part of his beard out just to be mean. He jammed a crown of thorns on his head. He was denied food and water and kept awake. They wouldn't let him sleep all night. They made him carry his cross through crowded streets with people screaming at him and a soldier whipping him. And then they nailed his hands and feet to a cross. And eventually they shoved a spear into his side and killed him. Jesus Christ experienced tremendous physical pain. But he also experienced tremendous emotional and psychological pain because death by crucifixion was designed to be death by humiliation. The idea wasn't just to kill a person. The idea was to humiliate them in the process. I mean, imagine being stripped naked, nailed to a cross, and let people heckle you while you die. I mean, it was a death of humiliation, degradation, shame. It was death without dignity. There's another level of pain that none of us have experienced to his degree, and that was spiritual pain. You know how bad you feel when you feel guilty over one, one thing? Imagine bearing all the guilt 
for every murder, every rape, every child molestation, every genocide, every evil thing, every inhumanity to man, every bit of gossip, every mean word, every dirty joke, every leering look, every bit of jealousy, every petty theft, every bit of greed, envy, bigotry, injustice. Jesus Christ took all that guilt on himself. And in the process of bearing that guilt, he went through the hell of separation from God. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's forsaken him because he's carrying our guilt. We've never experienced that kind of intense physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pain. And so you can be certain of this. Jesus Christ understands pain. Jesus Christ understands every pain you go through and he sympathizes with it. Hebrews 2 says, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. There's the key. He is able to help us. Jesus knows the pathway. Jesus Christ has the power to get you through the Fridays, through the Saturdays, through the days of pain, through the days of confusion in your life. So what do you do in the day of pain? Well, you do the two things that Jesus did on his last day. First one may surprise you. You reach out to friends. Reach out to friends. On the night that Jesus knew he was going to be arrested, tortured, and executed, the last thing he did on planet Earth was eat supper with his friends. He reached out to his friends. That's how important they were. Jesus said, I, I need to go pray. And he goes to his favorite prayer spot. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it wasn't so much a garden as it was uh, an olive grove. And so we might call it the Olive Garden, but that name's already taken. Okay? But he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he takes his 11 closest friends. Judas has deserted him at this point. And these 11 men have spent the last three and a half years with Jesus. They are his most intimate friends intimate companions. Jesus says, in my day of deepest need, I need my friends around me. Look at Matthew 26. Then Jesus came with them, circle that phrase, with them, to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him, circle that, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Circle that. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed. Jesus models for us the example of reaching out to our friends in our darkest days. But that is almost the exact opposite of what we usually do. You know, when, when you're in physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain, you've had a failure and an enormous hurt or an embarrassment, typically we begin to isolate. But as natural as isolation seems, it is a mistake to pull back from your friends in your dark days. God never meant for you to go through the pain of life on your own. God meant for you to share your pain with other people, and God meant for you to share other people's pain with them. Because it's, it's amazing, it's amazing that when you share your pain, the pain decreases. And when you share your joy, the joy increases. It's just the way God has designed us. 
And I hear testimony after testimony around here of how our small groups have started out with just people as acquaintances. They just pick a small group because of the time and the place that it meets or maybe the subject of the small group. Don't even know the people in it. And over time, those acquaintances become deep friends when somebody in the group goes through a tragedy or a struggle. And, and, and they all move in and support and they experience the fellowship of suffering. It's amazing what happens. And if you're not in a small group, I'd encourage you to start right now planning to sign up for a small group in our May semester because you need to invest in your future of getting connected with other people. You, know, you don't know when tragedy is going to strike in your life, and so you start preparing now by creating a network of friends that you can reach out to, just like Jesus did. Jesus spent three and a half years with these guys just for this moment. Friends are essential, but it takes more than friends. You know, friends can be there, they, they can sympathize with your pain, but friends can't understand the depth of your pain the way Christ can. And, and friends have other things they have to do. I mean, they have lives too, friends get tired. Jesus' friends in the garden, hour of deepest need, they fall asleep. And I, I, I'm not going to put them down for that because in the first place, they showed up. They were there. And in the second place, I've fallen asleep in my small group. I mean, it's at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesdays. And uh, I've had people wake me up. Pastor, you're teaching. <laughs> and some of you small fall in group permission to wake you up. But, you know, better you fall asleep in group than you stay home. I mean, at least you showed up. You're part of the group. But friends can get tired. Friends can fall asleep. Friends get worn out. They run out of energy. God never does. God never runs out of energy, never gets tired, never sleeps. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's why the second thing you've got to do is you must reach out to God. Jesus modeled it for us, Mark 14. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed. That's how you reach out to God is through prayer. He prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father. And some of you hear that and you think, Abba, that's a Swedish rock group. That's in the Bible. Different Abba, okay? This is the Aramaic word, and it means daddy. It is the most intimate, the, the most uh, connected term you can use uh, for a, a father. Uh, Jesus isn't saying, oh, great father. No, he's saying, dad, help me. He's crying out in prayer. And notice what he prays. He says, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. I don't want to go through the suffering of the cross, yet not what I want, but your will be done. There's a pattern for us. Jesus prays three things in his day of pain that you and I need to pray for as well. First, you affirm God's power. God, I know you can do anything. God, you created the universe. You can do anything. God, I know you can take this pain from me. You affirm God's power. And then you express your desire. You say, I, I don't want this pain. God, I want you to change the circumstances in my life. Jesus modeled this when he said, God, I, take this cup from me. I don't want to go to the cross. Even though Jesus and God had planned for him to do it all along. He says, please take it from me. And the third thing you do is you offer your trust. I've affirmed your power. I've told you my desire. And now I trust your will. Jesus Christ came to that point, finished praying. Soldiers came and arrested him, took him through six phony trials. Three Jewish, three Roman trials. They're all at night, so they're all illegal. 
They're just shams. They're show trials. They put him through all kinds of torture. They nail him to a cross and kill him, and then they seal his body in a tomb carved out of solid rock. That leads us to Saturday, the day of confusion. I mean, imagine how the disciples felt when they saw the Messiah, the Son of God, crucified by the Romans and sealed in a tomb. You know, they're all going, what just happened here? What just happened? We know Jesus could have come down off of that cross at any moment. I mean, we've seen him do all kinds of miracles. We've seen him heal the sick. He gave sight to the the blind. We saw him walk on water. He calmed the storm. He raised people from the dead. He could have come down off of that cross at any moment. It wasn't the nails that held Christ to the cross. It was his love for you. Jesus Christ said, for this cause I have come to earth. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I have a right to take it up again. Do not misunderstand. Jesus Christ is not a martyr. A martyr is someone who is killed at the will of other people for what they believe. Jesus Christ is not a martyr. Jesus Christ was on a mission. He was on a mission to die to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And he accomplished his mission. But imagine the confusion, the profound grief of the disciples. They thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans and liberate Israel. And instead, the Romans have killed him and he's dead in the grave. It's just massive confusion. It's the Saturdays of life when you go, what just happened? Profound grief, great loss, deep disappointment. Imagine the disciples doing a lot of what-ifing on Saturday. Well, what if we hadn't come to Jerusalem for Passover? What if we would have stayed away? What if we wouldn't have let Judas leave? What if we hadn't fallen asleep in the garden? Maybe we could have prevented this. They felt a lot of self-condemnation because they had deserted Jesus in his hour of need. The Bible says every one of them scattered, and now they're embarrassed. A lot of fear mixed in. I mean, they arrested Jesus. Are they going to arrest us too? They killed Jesus. Are they going to kill us next? So they're afraid. And then there's the question what? You know, you, you start a new job or start a new business and you just have so many hopes of it going so great. You even felt like God has led you into this. And then all of a sudden it blows up and you get fired or the business goes bankrupt. And you're, what do I do now? Or you enter into a relationship, maybe even a marriage, and you think, man, this is going to be heaven on earth. And all of a sudden, you hit the rocks and think, what do I do now? There are a thousand ways you go through the Saturdays of life, the days of confusion, days of doubt, loss, and grief. And Jesus warned them. Matthew 26, that very night, Jesus told them, before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. Jesus said, all of you will desert me. Scripture says, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And that's exactly what happened. They all deserted. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever run away from God because of pain? You know, have you ever prayed for something to happen and it didn't happen or it didn't happen the way you thought it should? And so you, you lost your faith and you walked away. Maybe you ran away from God and Christ and the church because of your pain. And we go back and forth between the Fridays and Saturdays, between the days of pain and the days of confusion. There's something we need to understand. 
that there is a difference between doubting God's existence and doubting God's wisdom. Let me explain that difference to you with an example. My kids have never doubted that they had a father. They know they have a father. Uh, my kids have never doubted that I love them because I tell them all the time that I love them. But they have often doubted my wisdom. <laughs> See the difference? You know, does dad really making a wrong decision here? They didn't doubt that I existed. They didn't doubt that I love them. But they doubt my wisdom. That's what happens in the day of confusion, and sometimes you go through that. David does all the time in the book of Psalms. All the time we see David saying, I don't know what's going on in my life, and God, I'm not too sure you know either. <laughs> How do you get through the days of confusion? You remember the promises of God. When you're going through those days when you can't put one foot in front of the other, when everything is turned to ash and been thrown up in the air and you don't know what to do, when you're in the Saturday of life, in the day of confusion, never doubt in the dark what God showed you to be true in the light. Never doubt his promises. And right before Jesus was crucified, he gave his disciples a huge promise to hang on to. John 16, he says, here's what's going to happen. Soon I'll be gone and you'll be without me. But after a while, you'll see me again. He's predicting his crucifixion and his resurrection. He knows what's going to happen. They don't have a clue. You will weep and you will mourn and you will grieve, but your grief will eventually turn into joy. It will be like a woman going through labor pains. When her child is finally born, her anguish, her labor pains turn to joy because the new life wipes out the memory of the pain. In the same way, you'll go through sorrow now, but I'll be back and you will rejoice. And I love this part. And no one will be able to rob you of that joy. Jesus says all the pain, all the confusion, it's part of the plan. You can't see that in the days of pain and confusion. But it's all part of the plan. And it's a good plan. And when the plan is fulfilled, you'll rejoice in ways nobody is going through right now. But I'll tell you this, you need to become a promise person. A promise person. You need to know and claim the promises of God. In the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises of God. 7,000 promises from God to you. But if you don't know them, you can't claim them. And if you don't claim them, then they're like checks just piling up in the mailbox that you don't cash. And so you need to know the promises and claim them. How do you know when you're not claiming the promises of God? There's a very clear warning sign. You worry. You worry. Because when you don't know what God's going to take care of in your life, you act like it all depends on you. And so you stress out, you get upset, you panic, you worry. But the way you get through the day of confusion and doubt is you hang on to the promises of God. You never doubt what God, in the dark, what God has shown you to be true in the light. Now, what do we know in the light? Well, first of all, we know that God sees everything you go through. We know that God cares about everything you go through. We know that God grieves when you hurt. We know that God loves you unconditionally. God will never stop loving you. We know that God is close. God is close to the brokenhearted. He will never leave you or forsake you. And we know that God can bring good out of bad, even out of evil. You know, anybody can bring good out of good. 
God specializes in bringing good out of bad. God specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. In fact, God loves to do that. God loves to take a situation where it's over, it's dead, and God's like, no, it's not. And he turns a crucifixion into a resurrection. And some of you have gone through a major tragedy. Maybe in your marriage, maybe at work, maybe in your health. And it looks like everything in your life has turned to ash. You need to claim one of the promises of God. It's one of the 7,000. It's in Isaiah 61. God promises this. He says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. I mean, that's a great promise to hang on to in the dark days. Another one of the 7,000 promises, Isaiah 43. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. You need a Savior. If you're going to get from the days of pain through the days of confusion to the day of joy, you need a Savior because you don't have the power to resurrect yourself. You don't have the power. You've got to turn to Jesus Christ if you're going to get to the day of joy. On that Sunday morning, some of the women go to Jesus' tomb, and they're going there to mourn. But when they get there, they discover the tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead. And later, Jesus appears to the disciples, and then over the next 40 days, he eats meals with people, he goes fishing with people. One time, he met with a group of 500 people and had a discussion. And when Jesus Christ, when the, when the disciples saw the resurrected Christ, it was a game changer. I mean, we're not afraid anymore. We are fearless. Why? Because Christ proved, you can kill us, but we're not going to stay dead. There's a resurrection. And these 11 guys start spreading the good news that Christ has risen. And it spread all over the Roman Empire. It spread into Africa. It spread into Asia. It spread into India. And 300 years later, Christianity is the faith of the Roman Empire, and Caesar is a believer. Why? Because the, the joy that these 11 guys had is contagious. You can't stop the spread of that joy. Sunday, the day of joy, how do you get there? You rely on the power of Jesus. You can't get there on your own. It takes far more than self-effort. When your life has turned to ashes, when your world has blown apart, when you're in chronic pain, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, will not cut it. It won't work. You can't resurrect yourself. You need a Savior. That's why they call it salvation. Jesus said, I am the one who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I point to the resurrection, or I teach the resurrection, or I'll show you the way to the resurrection. He didn't even say, I am resurrected. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The answer to getting out of the days of pain and through the days of confusion into the days of joy, the answer is not a principle, it's a person. The answer is not an event. It's not even Easter. The answer is Jesus. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
That's why my prayer for you this Easter has been Ephesians chapter 1. I've been praying this prayer for you for over a month. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you moment by moment every day. God can raise a dead body. He can raise a dead marriage. God can raise a dead body. He can raise a dead career. God can raise a dead body. He can raise a dead checkbook. That's why Paul says, I want to know Christ. Not know about him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul says, if it means going through the days of pain, the days of confusion, to get to the joy of the resurrection, bring it on. So be it. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. We're going to end today with a life-changing prayer. It's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said he would do, that he has the right to be the manager, the boss, the CEO, the supervisor of your life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That's one of the 7,000 promises. Have you claimed that one? Man, don't leave that one unclaimed. Don't leave that one lying there. Because if you've never claimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to get out of the Fridays and Saturdays and into the Sundays. Because you can't resurrect yourself. Close today. I want you just to follow me in a simple prayer. Don't just say it out loud. I'm not going to have you stand up or do anything to embarrass you. Just pray this prayer quietly to yourself and God will hear you. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I, I would invite you in this moment, if, if this is your day, if this is the time when you've come to realize, yes, Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Yes, he is my Savior and Lord. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I want to confess that in my life. I'd invite you right now just to be bold, be, be brave. Put your hand up. Say, God, here I am right here. Yes, I'm trusting Christ right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray this prayer from your heart. Say, God, you know every pain I've had in my life. You know the confusion, the doubts that I've had. God, you know I've spent a lot of my life in Fridays and Saturdays, and I want to get to Sunday. I want to live in joy and victory. So thank you, God, for sending Christ to pay for the sins that I've done on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead to prove he is who he said he is, that those sins are paid for, and I, too, can have the hope of a resurrection. And as much as I know how, I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen.